New variants mean new shots and even more scare tactics. Dr. Peter McCullough has stated the most common question he's asked is, how do I get this out of my body? Spike Support Formula is the only product I've seen that contains ingredients researched to block and dissolve spike protein in the bloodstream. So whether you got the shot, you're watching the research surrounding shedding becoming mainstream, or you've had a bad bout of COVID, spike protein is a serious concern. And while we truly won't know the extent of its devastating effects for many years, there is something you can do right now. Hundreds of people, both with and without the shot, have reported better mental clarity and increased energy levels. Head to twc.health coffee to buy the wellness company's spike support formula and get back to feeling your best. Use the code coffee at checkout for 10% off your order. That's twc.health coffee, code coffee. This is the Mimi for Coffee podcast. Welcome listeners to the Mimi for Coffee podcast. I'm your host, George, and today we have a special episode featuring a fascinating individual. His name is Simmer, as we say it. Simmer. Uh, <laughs> yes, Simmer. He's making a significant impact in the world of sustainability uh, Simmer is a key player at Soul Recycling, where innovation meets environmental consciousness. In this episode, we'll dive deep into Simmer's journey, explore groundbreaking initiatives at Soul Recycling, and gain valuable insights into the future of sustainable practices. So grab your favorite beverage. It better be coffee or tea. I'll let that slide. Sit back. Let's embark on this insightful conversation with Simmer. Thank you for joining me, Simmer. How are you? Thank you for having me, George. Good yourself? I am great. Uh, just enjoying a nice coffee in the morning. We're all on the run these days. Um, are you ready for Christmas? Uh, as ready as one can be, my friend. You know, there's always things uh, to do, still stuff to buy for the kids. So, you know, we're, we're trying. <laughs> wow, that, that's, that's fantastic, man. You know, this time of year is a very cool time of year to be around family, but... Um, being Greek, and I know you have an Indian background, we're around family all the time. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not really that different for us to just, you know, more food and not that we really need it. You know, my belly's always full. So, um, <laughs> I'm used to overeating and, uh, you know, my mom, you know, uh, Christmas dinner sometimes or whatever occasion it is. It's like, you know, she's like, well, let me get you a plate. I'm like, well, just put me some, some chicken or put me, you know, just some salad and she just fill everything up and she get me everything. Uh, so it's uh, the joyous time of overeating. And um, sometimes we, we take that for granted and, you know, there are people in need during this time of year. Um, your business, your business is very special. Uh, soul recycling. Can you share it with our listeners, uh, your personal journey and how you became involved in the field of sustainability and recycling? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I was always an environmentalist, like from birth, I, I would say. <laughs> uh, it just, it's just, I don't know, it's the way I, I grew up, really. And so my my dad um, in Canada here, he owned a printing company. He still does, still does, a small print shop. And uh, and I, I noticed there was a lot of, uh, of course, from immigrant parents, the whole family's involved and we're working since we're kids, right? Uh, so I was involved in the business from the start, from when I was about 13 years old. And uh, I grew up in the business, learned business from my father. I went to Ryerson University for printing as well. Um, and 
what I noticed as I got older, we were throwing out a lot of paper waste, right? Like die cuts and things like that, just from the machines. And uh, it just, it seemed wrong. It seemed wrong. They're like, there has to be something, you know, better than just throwing it in the garbage, right? And they're like, no, we've been doing this forever and this is how it is. Um, and then I got, you know, to, to do my research. I was 25 at that time and I started researching of better ways and how, because the, the key was that, hey, if we have a blue box system at home and newspapers and print stuff is being recycled. Why aren't businesses doing it? Right? Why is waste only our solution? Garbage. And uh, I did my research and I figured out where people were recycling paper. And that was out of the US. And the US, what they were doing, they would take scrap paper and make insulation out of it. And, it, and for home insulation, like the pink stuff that you'd see inside your walls. I partnered with them saying, hey, we can supply you guys this much paper waste from my dad's company. Are you interested? They said, of course, we pay for it. And I said, okay, amazing. Let's start this. And from there, a light bulb went off and, uh, and I founded Soul Recycling. That's amazing. So yeah. you guys seem to be at the forefront of innovative recycling practices. Can you tell us about some of the unique initiatives and technologies that a company like yours is implementing? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Firstly, recycling and waste companies. So what really – I'm going to get into it really, George, if you don't mind. I'm just going to sure. go on a bit of a rant, right? Is that cool? Okay, good. <laughs> Let's go. So, so uh, when when originally when I started my company, what I noticed was the other only other recycling companies were waste companies. But these waste companies were – owned by landfills essentially, right? Or they had a very big stake in land landfills. And the only reason they were recycling is because the consumer wanted them to recycle. So they would recycle as much as they could. And and in that way, there was a lot of wish cycling happening as well, right? So they would put a recycling bin in, they'd put some plastics and some papers in and some contaminated waste, contaminated waste meaning like a peanut butter jar with still peanut butter in it, right? So you put in the recycling bin thinking it's plastic and it will be recycled, but really it wasn't. It was just wish cycling. So you'd see these waste companies with these green trucks and and all this stuff, and it's just it's green washing and the green and and wish cycling. A lot of that when I entered the industry, and I was like, this is not good. There's not an actual recycling company, right? These are just. Uh, camouflage to look like one. <laughs> but because there was a conflict of interest there and it me being in business, I got I get it. I get it, right? They have to they have to run their business of landfills. Um so us being a new company, it was easy for us to just be a recycling company. Like so we have no affiliates with landfills. We started from this from day one a recycling company, never a waste company. And and that's and we've been doing this now for ten years. We've been business of ten years now. And that's the reason why I'm starting to do these podcasts and, and media outlets is to let the consumer know that waste companies and recycling companies are two separate industries and two separate ways of processing. So when you approach a waste company to handle your waste from your business, know that their first call of action is to landfill, 
because that's where all their investment is, right? So, and then when you call uh, strictly a recycling company, when we look at your waste, it's a totally different perspective. We It's called urban mining. We will pick out the valuables that you could earn money from, which is plastic, metals, and paper, and put a rebate system in. So then the whole company, because remember, people are in business for the bottom line for the most part, right? And so we affect the bottom line. So then it gives them an incentive to recycle because before when these recycle like our competitors are recycling companies their their whole thing was we'll mail you a box you put all your recyclables in it and you mail it back it's it's not convenient and we're in a, a convenience economy right and that's why those recycling companies never really succeeded so i had to really study like my first five years of business honestly george i was going to close my doors every single day Right, because it's so we're struggling, right? Struggling to compete with the big guys, and and struggling to make uh, um, recycling an actual commodity, right? But at now, ten years in, we've succeeded, right? We've broke that, and now I have to get the word out. I have to tell companies that hey, we recycle, we pay you for your waste, and let's say we cannot recycle your waste. We're at a we're at a point where we brought this technology from italy well firstly like before i even get into that point um like as canada as a whole even i would say north america as a whole we're very behind in how we how we recycle right the european the european countries there there's little countries in europe that are zero waste landfill entire entire states you know and uh incredible right so when i started traveling to do more research on recycling I was like, we are way behind the wheel here. And, and the reason why is too, because one, Canada has a lot of land, right? So we have no push to, to recycle. Like, yeah, I just keep digging a hole and putting it in, right? At a site, at a mind, which is not the right way of doing it because soon enough it will catch up. And then I think we're at the point that it is catching up because climate change is, right, a big issue now. So... Mm-hmm. We brought a solution to Canada. There's a machine that we brought here which converts all the non-recyclable waste. And the reason I really brought this machine is for medical waste, right, for the hospitals. Because that type of waste, even if it's recyclable, it's still hazardous. right? So there's no real solution to that. right? So we were landfilling all that material. Now we brought this machine in, and and it's a non-incineration machine. Like the traditional way of dealing with medical waste would be burning it. Obviously, with the emissions that uh, emits from burning it was obviously two, like they say, it's uh, two steps uh, two steps forward and one step back kind of scenario, right? So yeah, you are getting rid of the waste, but you're yeah, emitting it to the the air, right? All the CO two and the emissions that uh, pollute the air. So it wasn't the right way of doing it. So we brought a machine that uses a thermal friction based technology, so it doesn't burn at all, and the byproduct of from that machine is called fluff it literally looks like stuffing that would be and, and this stuffing is actually needles it's plastic it's it's all like the iv bags it's it's your bandages it's your mask from covid and all that stuff mixed into it and in the byproduct it looks like this fluff and it there's actually the byproduct is used for again back to our original my original day one resource of insulation and now uh, we've tested it with aggregates and aggregates with Lafarge which and, and they're accepting this material as an additive as well so now that waste 
we're in the, the front line of trying to make it a commodity. Where so where now we're at a point where soul recycling is we could recycle everything. There is no such thing as waste in our company. That's With the, the actual our first uh, front line defense. Right, right. Our first our the method that we do it is our first line first line of defense is what is recycling, right? And we pay you for your recycling and then everything else left over, George, is is only like ten percent, ninety percent of the things that we're throwing out right now are recyclable. And the stuff that's left over, we're processing it through our technology here and recycling it as well. <laughs> so Yes. <laughs> so that was my rant. <laughs> no, that's a good rant. I know this is the first time I've actually delved deep into you know, recycling and, and then, you know, wondering like what happens after the process. You know, um, my condo, uh, we have a, a waste company that takes our garbage and our, our recycling. And I was, you know, every, every week I'm sorting through everything. For my recycling, and then I see them the other day just throw it all in the same thing as the garbage. So I was like, okay, so this is all going to waste. Um, this is not recycling. Um, are there any exciting upcoming projects or collaborations with Ethel Recycling that you can share with us? There are many, my friend. There are many, but there's so many NDAs involved. And um, as you know, the waste companies were a drop in the bucket in the whole industry right as a whole like a waste industry and recycling industry we're dropping the bucket and if i divulge any information like they are the waste companies are chomping at the bits to step on an ant like us yes yes you know so it's it's hard i would love to you know and, and the 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 leaps and bounds that we're taking in our company are amazing and I, it's just something that itch to share but yeah. we're just not we're not at that point where we're not, um, let's say, minted yet. You know, yes. uh, you know, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you you got to keep your next move quiet, and uh, you know, it's yeah. going to be. This is pretty cool. I I, I really think that um, I've heard that in for with other recycling companies around the world that you can actually use some of the material to build roads and and you know parts of houses and. Um, it's yeah, incredible, that, right? I mean, that, here that, in Canada, I don't think we have like I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, no. So let, let, let me put a light to the the built the road. So we were part of that project. Um, so when they issued that initiative out of Dubai, so it was an initiative out of Dubai where they stated to the recyclers around the world that we're looking for scrap PET uh, bottles, essentially. Um, and then if you look at a bottle, it's very hard to recycle because there's labels on it. The cap itself is a different material than the bottle itself. Like the, the cap is PP typically, and the bottle itself is PET typically. And th those two types of plastic don't mix together. And for somebody to unscrew and take off the caps, very unlikely. Yes. But Dubai came with a initiative saying, hey, we could take the whole bottle as a PPPT mix. It doesn't matter. Label on, off, does not matter. Um, and then we're like, okay, how? <laughs> right? Like we've been struggling with this in North America forever. Um, it's like, you know, like, this has been like our cancer. We're just putting it in our ground and letting all the, the chemicals seep out into our lands. And, you know, it's it's bad. So we asked them how, like, okay, so you want all this PT, but what are you doing? 
right? Uh, and they, they said exactly that. They, it's, it's going into our asphalt. And what we know, because it's so hot in Dubai, the PET bottles are actually a uh, heat resistance. Like, so it, they're more durable in the heat during the, like when it gets like 50 Celsius in Dubai, that it doesn't, uh, it's more durable for them. It, it, it makes the asphalt stronger. And it resists wow. heat. So it was, and we ended up sending them 100 tons of PT bottles, all in containers. And they used that during that time. And, and 100 tons is equivalent to, let me tell you how many trees really quickly here, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So 100 tons would be 1.2 million trees. That's right. That's right? mind blowing. So, yeah. Yeah. Is- so, yeah. So it's not really a, if you look at recycling, it's not a, um, a solution for Canada, like, hey, let's let's we have all this. What do we do in Canada? No, there there there's solutions around the world. There are people. Remember, climate change is a worldly problem, right? It's not a problem that's just for us, and um, so that's why we do our research, right? We, we connect with the worldwide connections, and and because if we don't have a resource, somebody maybe have a resource, right? The world's huge, and and uh, over here we're doing we're banning single use plastics, right? And a lot of the banned items are recyclable, are recyclable. And again, the lobbyists and all that are major waste companies because they're going, our politicians are going to waste companies and asking them, what can you do with this type of waste? And they go, hey, we can't do anything with it. Right. And meanwhile, a recycling company can like all those plastic bags and all that stuff that got banned we recycle currently. It's LDPE. We recycle it, and and those bags currently become garbage bags, and and we recycle them. And the reason we're still recycling them because remember we're an import country. A lot of the the bags is LDPE is the actual material, and that LDPE material is used for other things as well, right? Like shrink wrap, film in general, your your Ziploc. That's all bags. That's all single use plastics, quote unquote. And, but in the in the the problem is because we're an import country, we're always going to have that plastic, right? We're not because uh, in the world it's not banned; it's just banned in Canada. So that problem will always be here. The banning was some sort of I don't know what the logic was behind it, but of course <laughs> the lobby side of thing has to be a waste consultant because they can't do anything with it, but recycling companies can, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of of uh, misconceptions there that you know we're trying to work through as well um but yeah hopefully we could get loud enough with outlets like yours and we could let the politicians know hey when there's a problem there's a there, there's a solution maybe lying with a recycling company and letting people know that waste and recycling are two separate industries and stop consulting with waste companies for the solution for recyclables <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you guys are making a very positive impact, and I'm very happy to hear that. It makes me, for once, believe in something's going on, right? Um, that's yes. positive and driven forward, and the people behind Soul Recycling like you are very passionate. Finally, uh, what advice do you have for individuals or businesses looking to enhance their commitment to sustainability and uh, make an, a positive impact on their environment? Yeah, it's a good question. Let's say we live in a perfect world. Our perfect okay. world in in the aspect of waste and recycling, right? Perfect world would be use items that are reusable, 
right? We're in a disposable world, right? Your shavers are disposable. Everything's disposable. You go through drive through It's one use. Try to demand, like, when you go through the drive-through, use your own thermos, right? And, uh, and a lot of people do. But we need to change. Once we change the mindset of the common consumer to a reuse, like the milkman uh, theory, right? Where back in the day, the milkman used to come and pick up your, your glass and refill them. And that's what we have to do, right? The, the, the disposable economy, this, this, this whole wave has to change. And we're at the tipping point, right? So the, the common consumer, instead of using the water bottle, use a re, refillable bottle use it as much as you can and hopefully it's glass or metal right plastics are, are recyclable only to a certain point right you can only recycle plastics to a certain time like i think it's eight or ten times and after that it is waste so that's the, the in for recycling and waste that would be the ideal that would be the perfect world simmer this has been great <laughs> um yes simmer from soul recycling um, and just what, uh, guess what, uh, psych to you, because that was not the last question. Uh, <laughs> meet me for coffee. We brew conversations <laughs> with coffee and, uh, great people. And we dive deep into what's going on with them and get to know them as well. So, um, in Seinfeld, if you're a Seinfeld fan, uh, Kramer was making, uh, a coffee table book about celebrities, coffee tables, um, and, I guess I should probably start writing my book on what people on my show drink in their coffee or how they take their coffee. Do you drink coffee, Simmer? Drink it as we speak, my friend. Beautiful. How do you take it? Black. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Cheers to you. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you, George. It was a pleasure. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Meet Me for Coffee. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, share the podcast, and follow us on all our social media pages. You can check out meetmeforcoffee.co for more information. Until next time, friends.